welcome back to the Nerdy Merc, where you will find all things comic books, culture, current events, and the like. This is Jeff, also known as the Other Merc with the Mouth. Make sure you like the podcast, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. So, a couple of administrative notes. Number one, the website has been changed. I've taken out the section down at the bottom for articles because I've just had a big hanging sign. This is coming soon there for however long the, the website's been up, and I haven't published anything. So I'm taking that down until I get serious about writing. I'm not going to leave that up, and I'm not going to continue being the boy that cried wolf. I did do some little bit of rearranging with the latest comic book that I'm reading, so you can actually go see the covers. I'm probably going to, this is going to be a little bit of an involved process. I'm probably going to drop, uh, uh, I'm probably going to turn those into links and a clickable links where you can go and look at some of the images from those comic books. But again, it's kind of an involved process and it's going to be very time consuming. Maybe I might do that over the holidays because I'm going to take about two or three weeks off from this. Uh, well, probably a couple weeks off from this, and I might do that around the holidays. So anyway, I just want to drop that quick admin note. You're listening to the Nerdy Merc. Hey, you guys know what this means. It's time for Three Minute Mandalorian. Now, this one, I, I must say, there was, there was a lot in this episode. There was a lot to get through, and three minutes was difficult. So, without any further ado, hang on. Without any further ado, here we go. Three Minute Mandalorian. And... Mark, we start off overlooking a heavily industrialized Corvus at night, with the city bell being rung and soldiers manning positions along the wall from which you can see the nearby forest where laser blasts are seen firing. Up close, the battle shows more soldiers in an apparent retreat, fleeing from someone wielding dual white lightsabers, soon to be revealed as former Jedi Ahsoka Tano, who has come to issue an ultimatum to the Magistrate, surrender or face the consequences and gives her one day to choose. Mando lands on Corvus, where people are being tortured in electrical cages, and he is, almost immediately, summoned to the Magistrate, where he is offered a spear of pure Beskar to take care of her Jedi problem, to which he simply responds, where do I find this Jedi? As he's leaving the city, the Captain of the Guard, played by the awesome Michael Bean, inquires about Baby Yoda. Mando tells him he keeps it around for luck. He quickly finds Ahsoka Tano, who seemingly thinks Mando is there to kill her and attacks. Mando is able to ward off her assault long enough to let her know that Bo-Katan sent him, ending the fight. Immediately, she takes an interest in Baby Yoda and begins communicating with him through the Force. After several hours, she reveals that his name is Grogu and that he was a youngling at the Jedi Temple when it fell. Someone grabbed him and hid him, leaving him to spend the next few decades alone trying to hide his ability to wield the Force until Mando found him. Ahsoka agrees to test him, but determines that in addition to his obvious bond with Mando, he is too old to train. 
This is unacceptable to Mando, who suggests that he can help with her problem if she takes Grogu and trains him. During the mission planning, it's revealed that the magistrate is Morgan Elsbeth, whose people were massacred during the Clone Wars. According to Ahsoka, her anger fueled an industry that helped build the Imperial Starfleet. The next scene brings us back to the city at night prepared for an attack. Ahsoka breaches the wall and successfully makes entry in about 1.57 seconds, tosses one of Mando's Beskar shoulder pads at the feet of the magistrate to prove her victory, and then said, tell me what I want to know. Where is your master? Dun dun dun. Oh my god, who are we talking about? What master? Then all hell breaks loose as Mando drops in just in time to rescue the prisoners that were about to be executed. The battle ends after Ahsoka kills most of the soldiers, with her squaring off with the magistrate who, armed with the Beskar spear, put up a decent fight, and Mando squaring off with the captain of the guards who, again, was played by the awesome Michael Bane, who I've met by the way. Naturally, we know who won those fights as we find out the master is, wait for it, Grand Admiral Thrawn. I'm so excited. And the episode ends with Ahsoka again claiming that she can't train Grogu, but there might be another way for him to take Grogu to the planet Tython where he will find a Jedi temple and to place Grogu on the seeing stone at the top of it and then Grogu may choose his path, which is explained with... If he reaches out through the Force, there's a chance a Jedi may sense his presence and come searching for him. So, yay, another quest. Oh, and she gave him the Beskar Spear. That's your three-minute Mandalorian. Okay, if I'm being honest, that was more like three and a half, almost four-minute Mandalorian. Okay, really almost four-minute Mandalorian. But there was a lot to get through in that episode. Oh, and uh, do you guys remember the jeans guy? Did you guys even notice the jeans guy from the last episode? There's a scene where Mando, Grieve Karga, and Cara Dune were all fighting in a hallway, and like some prop dude just in the back with his jeans and t-shirt on was in the scene. Yeah, uh, Disney digitally erased him. Erased from existence. Sorry, I just channeled my inner Doc Brown. Anyway, you're listening to the Nerdy Merc. It is trivia time. Trivia time. So here's the question. Which popular hamburger joint has proof of their endorsement, by way of Spider-Man no less, hanging on the walls of their bathroom? Which popular hamburger joint has proof of their endorsement by Spider-Man no less, Hanging on the walls of their bathroom. Tick tock, tick tock, dun And the answer is, of course, Five Guys. Five Guys Burgers. I do a lot of DoorDash on the weekends, just and you know, a lot of times like I use the bathroom while I'm working, and, and I just happen to go in there and and noticed that comic book they got it printed out and hanging on the wall i'm like oh my god spider-man endorsed five guys uh hawkeye endorsed uh in was in and out it was in and out yeah spider-man endorsed five guys hawkeye hawkeye endorsed in and out i actually went and found that comic book where where he did that and sure enough it's legit <laughs> i'll post that up on uh facebook here and a little bit later today Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, oh, uh, new trivia coming on Monday. I don't know yet what it will be, but new trivia coming on Monday. You're listening to the Nerdy Merc.
from campusreform.org in an article dated November 24th. Indiana University students enraged after Hong Kong protester is invited to speak. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. So let me kind of paint the scene. Joshua Wong, who is a prominent Hong Kong protester. Now, Hong Kong, as you all know, or if you should know, if you don't, well, I'm going to tell you. Hong Kong was, I don't, I don't know what the right word is. It was owned, annexed, something by the British, by the United Kingdom, by Great Britain, whatever those guys are called. And a long time ago. And I want to say it was the mid-90s, 95, 96, it was ceded back to China. Now, if you look, you got to look at a map. Hong Kong is, so you know what? It's been a while since I looked at a map. I don't want to get this wrong. Give me a second. I'm going to pull up a map of Hong Kong. So uh, what I was going to say was Hong Kong is, is uh, if you recall lately, or like the last couple of years, Hong Kong has been prominent in the news for the protest for freedom. Now, what was those protests? What were those protests about? Well, I'm glad you asked. And yes, Hong Kong is there on the on the bottom of the actual country of China. It go, feeds right into oh, which sea is this? Um, okay, my map doesn't want to show the sea, but yeah. So Hong Kong was ceded back to to China in the mid '90s, and it was supposed to be. Uh, two, what was it, like two parties, one system, or two systems, one party, something like that. So Hong Kong was supposed to be able to maintain autonomy. And China was happy to do that because Hong Kong was responsible for, I'm wanting to say like almost a quarter of the entire um, uh, 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 China gross domestic product, their GDP. Hong Kong was responsible for like 24 or 26% of it or something like that. And so, I mean, they're a major player. They've got, you know, that gives them bargaining rights. That gives them, that gives them an opportunity to say, hey, um, you know, we have, we're bringing something to the table. We have, you know, some cards up our sleeve. And so they were seated back to China with the, with, with the intention, I guess, for the lack of a better, or the agreement. No, no, that's a better word. With the agreement that they would still be able to maintain their autonomy. They would belong to China, but they would be able to maintain their, they would be able to maintain their freedom of speech. They would be able to maintain their own uh, uh, system of government and govern themselves, belong to China, but govern themselves. China agreed for a short while. And then slowly, insidiously, China began encroaching upon their freedoms and it finally came to a head with this law that China and China's passed it. It's done. It's done deal now. Uh, this law that China passed, where saying that they could that, that that their police forces, their investigative forces, their security forces, whatever you want to call them, could come into Hong Kong, take Hong Kong citizens back into mainland China, and hold them for as basically as long as they wanted indefinitely, and in, you know to interrogate, torture, kill, whatever. And of course, Hong Kong was like, uh, "No, no, we don't agree with this." And over the course, it only took twenty two, twenty three years for Hong Kong 
to lose its freedom because it did not fight for it. China constantly encroached, constantly encroached, constantly encroached until it got down to the point where... Now, China recognized this as a problem. I, I, I assume that they recognize this as a problem. Simply because... Remember me talking about the GDP, the, the, the like the 24, 25, 26% that Hong Kong was responsible for back in the 90s? Well, now Hong Kong was responsible for about 2 or 3% of it. Now, they're expendable. Now, we don't care about trampling your freedoms because we have completely absorbed you into our country. You do not have any freedom. And so anytime you bring up and, and, and the, 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 the Chinese people that are visiting, uh, that are visiting or, or attending our universities that are setting up these, uh, what, what are they called? The Confucius, the, that are part of these Confucius institutes. They are capitalizing on the sentiments of America when all they're doing or, or, or by, what's the word I'm looking for? They're capitalizing on the whims, there you go, the whims of Americans. When, when you just go from one fancy to the next and, and everything is all about feelings and, oh my God, you can't offend this person or that person or this group of people or that group of people. They're capitalizing on that. The students complained that the event violated Chinese students' rights advocated terrorism, and was offensive for the Chinese student population. Okay, well, first off, he, Joshua Wong, who's a prominent Hong Kong protester, he was invited to speak by the IU student government. That does not violate anyone's rights. So, that first claim, outright lie. Chinese students' rights. It says it violates Chinese students' rights. That's bullcrap. There's no rights being violated. It advocated terrorism. Well, I'd have to wait and see exactly what he said, but I'm willing to bet he didn't actually advocate terrorism. So that I'm going to put that about 75% into the pile of, yeah, that's another lie. And then the last claim, he was offensive, or him speaking was offensive for the Chinese student population. Who cares? You have no right to not be offended. But... They're, they're not actually offended. Y'all know that, right? No, they're not. They just don't want someone from Hong Kong speaking their truth. They don't want someone from Hong Kong speaking to their experiences and telling the world just how shitty the government of China, the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, actually is. Just how dictatorial they actually are. Just how cruel they actually can be. They don't want that. That's what they don't want. And if you th- and if you think that the Chinese students that are over here are part of the rank and you do understand that in China they have a social credit system, right? Which means like if you don't say the right things and you don't toe the right line. I mean, they have facial recognition cameras or software and the cameras everywhere and they don't have rights in China. Just go ask the Uyghur Muslims. Uyghur Muslims, they're actually being imprisoned in China. The Chinese Communist Party authorized uh, 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 Chinese nationals, loyal, loyal party nationals, to go live 
in the homes of these Uyghur Muslims with their families. To put it in the words of Tony Katz, that's state-sanctioned rape. But the average Chinese person probably knows that everything they see on the TV is filtered truth. But the average Chinese person doesn't get to go to American universities. No, 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 no. Only the wealthy, okay, maybe not only, but prominently, it's the wealthy ones that get to go. It's the family member, it's the children of the family members that tow the party line that get to go. They have to say something. Because their family has towed that party line. Their family has taken that position. They're not actually offended. They're using a tool, a very popular tool of the political left to try to get you to be outraged. It's, it's Saul Alinsky. Uh, a good tactic is one your people enjoy. It's ridiculous. I will say this. I did reach out to the um, IU student government. I reached out to them on Facebook uh, when I heard about this, and they're like, yeah, they protested. Guess what? They basically told me, yeah, Josh still got to come here and speak. So good for them. I'm glad that free speech won out in this case because it doesn't always win out. And there's example after example after example of so many people in our society these days that do not value the free speech anymore. And all they do is, and all they want to do is silence you. This is just another extension of cancer culture. They're trying to cancel this Hong Kong protester, Josh Wong. They're trying to cancel the IU student government for allowing Josh Wong to speak. That's all this is. More cancer culture. And the IU student government did the exact thing that they're supposed to do when faced with cancel culture is look at those people telling them that they cannot do the thing and then say, no, we're doing it anyway, regardless of what you think. You're allowed to be mad about it. You don't get to tell us no. You're listening to the Nerdy Merc. Well, that's the end of this segment. If you have any questions, bitches, gripes, comments, complaints, moans, or suggestions, give me a call, 317-978-NERD. That's 317-978-6373. Or you can go find me at www.nerdymerc.com. Email me, jeff at nerdymerc.com. Or go find me on all the social medias. I'm on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for The Nerdy Merc. On Instagram, nerdymerc79. And parlor at Nerdy Merc. Make sure you stick around for the next segment. And thank you for listening. <laughs>